This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcast at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. morning. Uh, this is Lynn of uh, Lynn and Jen, and we're still in during the time of COVID, and uh, we're actually both living in California, and we're also during the time of the major fires. So this is a, a really a, a, a struggling time for both of us, but we're here to talk about uh, Unmask. Uh, let's talk about emotional feelings and reactions to COVID. And today we were going to focus on anger. Yeah, I mean, as you said, there's definitely a lot going on. And I think this is a great time to talk about anger because anger is a very common stress response. And I think people, a lot of the clients that I'm working with, they're having a hard time managing their anger. And so hopefully by us talking about some ideas and helping people better understand what's going on, that will help you better manage COVID. When you first brought this topic up a couple weeks ago to talk about anger during the epidemic, I was thinking, oh, I I never experienced that. But since then, we've had terrible breathing issues. People have seen the orange skies of Northern California and the nighttime, and it's become extremely difficult to breathe for everybody really here. Mm-hmm. And people are staying in houses and you have to wear a 95 mask if you go out because the air is really very impure. But I started to experience, Jen, a lot of anger. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, you know, Saul, more personally, the limits people can be pushed to. You know, COVID itself, I had the mask, I'd mastered it. I felt like I'm really coping well. Yeah. But then we hit this new problem and I realized I was deprived of going outside and hiking. I've been deprived even more of seeing my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, even uh, simple activities are very difficult when you can't breathe. Even doing yoga becomes harder eating becomes harder because there's a cooking involved. Everything is affected. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's one more major limitation. And my feelings are very much of anger that this is happening to all of us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that speaks so much to an important piece that is often left out of conversations around mental health, which is the role that our body plays in the way that we experience our emotions. And so that's something that I've seen too a lot is that as people have more challenges around just the breathing component of things, there is more of the anger and uprising because a lot of the ways that we discharge our anger is through motion, is through going outside, is through breathing fresh air. And, you know, as you said, even at home yoga, if you're having a hard time breathing, that causes a lot of issues in terms of your general sense of well-being. 
And anger is a stress management kind of emotion that comes up to help us manage stressful times. And when you're not breathing well, one of the things that that signals to your body is that things are not okay. And it kind of flips us into a survivor mode. And anger, you know, is one of the fight or flight. It's your fight. Well, in the ways it comes up for me with uh, my partner, Stephen, in the pot, uh, I'm angry with him, not only about the little things like the cooking and the breathing and why don't we have another air purifier kind of thing going, the simple things related to that. But I find we get him more, okay, great. I'll go back and I'll run through it again as best I can, Jen. So tip to you, Julia. Thank you for this. I've experienced uh, the anger in the pod that I'm in with Steven. So I find myself struggling with him about the little things like who's sitting closer to the air purifier or who's going to expend more energy making the meal. But then also I argue with him about more global and bigger things like gender issues and gender splits overall. Today we were arguing about gender splits in the country uh, and I was much angrier about that than I usually am. I'm usually somewhat angry. But I've also noticed it's coming up with patience. That, uh, and that's a tip-off. I've really had to look at that, focus on that, and talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge underlying stressor to have so many things happening at the same time. And, you know, I think it's important for people to understand that we're not necessarily equipped to handle this level of stress in an enduring way. And so we have these emotional responses to deal with more short-term stressors. And so we're having the same emotional responses, but instead this is sort of a prolonged situation. And so we have to really look at how do we help ourselves scale things down for ourselves so that instead of looking at things on such a large scale and feeling so overwhelmed, we have some semblance of being okay, some semblance of safety for ourselves in this moment and really taking things kind of in smaller pieces. That's one of the things I've been working with with my clients is, you know, clients who typically have year-long plans, five-year plans, we're having to look at like, okay, well, what's the plan for today, right? And I, I think another big thing about anger is that anger is a very self-protective emotion. And so that's what causes a lot of the tension between couples is because now you're focusing on sort of regulating yourself and in focusing on yourself, it keeps you out of rhythm with the person that you're in relationship with. And that it's, you put it so well, Jen, that I really feel more out of rhythm with Steven in the pod. Uh, the anger is uncomfortable for me yes. as it is for many women Yes, uh, and to experience it. And I've, I am really looking for a way that I can regulate it better and kind of go back into being a better member really of my life at this moment. But it's tough because with stress, you know, fight is the first of the stress mechanisms and that anger is really the first one that many of us have kind of front and center around these type of really insults. We're facing some real stressors right now. 
Yeah, I think what's interesting about that is actually like fight is actually not our first response when we look at the research. Our first response is social connection. And since social, since social connection is so disrupted because of COVID and being able to turn to these people, and I think because each of us is so sort of individually under a lot of stress, we're not able to necessarily be that landing place for other people. So we're having to go to some of these other responses, which are like the fight or flight you know, response. And so I think that is why so many of us are turning to things like fight or flight because our typical way of regrounding ourselves is interrupted because of COVID. And that point, uh, you know, it's so important, I think, for people to realize it, that the connection is our normal grounding point in a pod. Yeah. And because that is so disrupted and there's so many things we're coping with right now, it's very, very hard to use that in any way. And uh, how do you bring that balance really back to your pot of one, two or three or four, really bring that connection piece in with the anger that many people are now feeling? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's such a great question. And I think one of the ways that I have been working with my clients is in helping them see that the anger comes from within. I think a lot of times people, when they're angry, they have the uncomfortable sensations rising up in their body and they then sort of turn outward and attribute it to something someone's doing. And, and that's where like blame comes in. And it's like, you're doing this to me. You're making me feel this way. And I think when we're able to turn inward, it actually helps us ground and reflect and say, okay, I'm feeling more tense already. And that's pushing me over the edge. And I think the reason it's so important to understand this for people is because when you blame, you you rob yourself of a sense of agency and power. Whereas when you're able to see your own role in what's going on, when you see how your own internal sort of processing of things is affecting the way that you're engaging, well, it returns you to your sense of agency. And agency is what keeps people from feeling trapped, obviously, right? It's what keeps people from going into despair. It's what keeps people from feeling hopeless is they can hang on to that little bit of, oh, there is something that I can do here. And so I think that social connection piece is also really important to understand in terms of our own connection with ourselves too. So when you're not able to connect with someone externally, how do you make sure that you're connecting with yourself internally? So if we think about it, uh, you know, using myself as the example, I'm an angry person at this point. It's not an emotion that I've really had or experienced a lot in my life. Right. But I'm feeling a lot of anger and it's coming up in the environment, in the pod that I'm in. You know, really recognizing that this is an internal state and 
anger is often there you go blame and anger really friends mm -hmm. you know unmask mm -hmm. holding hands walking together mm -hmm. you know uh you're not only you're not only angry with yourself you're often angry with those around you yeah and how do you acknowledge that peace and and what you're saying is really if you acknowledge it you give yourself back some of the control and power in the situation yeah and uh i think that's really key that we have to acknowledge that we are going to be feeling more anger more blame and that those around us will also be experiencing that right i mean i i think so one of the little like phrases that i use to help people is to remember that people are not problems they have problems and so when you understand like i don't have a problem with my partner i have a problem with the behavior that's coming up i have a problem with the dynamic that we're creating here together right i have a problem with not knowing how to discharge the uncomfortable sensations that are coming up in my own body well when you define a problem in this way it becomes something you can make smaller and take action on and it's really that sense of being able to take action which is the agency piece but i think where people go awry is they go oh well my action is i'm going to change the other person so they don't do this to me right and that's not something that we have control over and so that leads people to kind of one it creates a lot of tension in relationships but two it leads people to feel a sense of helplessness around being able to change their situation back to the struggle that i like typical person right now i'm feeling jen yeah uh you know managing that anger of mine or even you know first even talking about it this far i think is helpful so i think people can find others in and outside their pod to talk about their emotions with at this time because these are hard emotions so you know, whether it's discharging it, maybe a constructive conversation where you act on it in some way is really important. Mm -hmm. Staying away from the blaming piece is really important. And I think also so many patients right now are blaming themselves. Yes. You know, they turn the blame inward. They're feeling more depressed and suicidal because they can't manage these affective states mm -hmm. that we're really talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we help? people not do these unhealthy things and what are the alternatives at this point for all of us you know and some i think are finding people to have a conversation with connecting there sharing the fact that you're having these uncomfortable emotions really really important stuff yeah i mean i think that is such a huge key is like being able to understand what is going on and then do something about it is fundamentally what allows people to move through an experience and so i think number one is recognizing oh these uncomfortable sensations that are rising up in my body like that is anger right because once you go oh that's anger well then you can start figuring out well why does anger rise up anger rises up to protect me what do i what am i wanting to be protected from anger also rises up to let us know that like we're not okay with something right and so you talked about for example 
that you recognize that this is going to even further create distance between you and your grandchildren. And so obviously that is a very like natural reaction to have anger. And I think that is a big piece of it too, is recognizing that anger is a natural reaction to things. And so instead of trying to like tell yourself that you're not angry or pretend that you're not feeling angry, when you're able to to put together sort of in a sequence, like, okay, well, what happened? What led me to feel angry? And the purpose of anger is to help you figure out what you can change in your environment. I agree with you there that anger really is, you know, a signal as to, for all of us, yeah. that we have to do something a little bit differently. And with the concrete example of the grandchildren, I have reached out to connect more with them by video. Right. We actually write stories to each other, you know, and share what we've written down. One of the little grandchildren's learning to write and we learn to communicate, you know, things this way. He was writing about bad air the other day and it's hard to hear that. Here's your little grandchild writing a story about bad air, you know, but that's, that's similar. I, I could write the same story. Bad air is here, you know, and how do we deal with these things? So I think creative aspects, you know, writing stories is another way, but the connection is a really, really important piece. Yeah, I love what you're bringing up around creativity too, because I think a lot of times people in times of stress, they go into this, like, I have to be realistic, like, I can't allow myself to imagine things. And what you actually see is that it's when we are able to pause for a moment and take a breath and allow ourselves to be creative. This is what helps people keep from feeling helpless because it's the imagination that allows you to envision a different future. And so this is something that kids are actually really good at when they're allowed to do it. And so kids, I mean, so I remember back a couple years ago, the San Bruno fires, I was working with a lot of children because I was working in a school there. And what I noticed, I mean, this was not a scientific experiment by any means, but just my observations. I noticed that it was actually the kids who were able to draw the pictures and somehow resolve the story within what they drew that were the ones who were the least traumatized. And I think part of what creates so much stress for people as adults is they believe that they have to go into this just like kind of like lockdown, soldier, soldier on, you know, like don't allow yourself to feel what you're feeling, keep going kind of mentality. And it's actually your, your ability to try and keep integrating what is going on. So tell the story about the bad air, you know, talk about the fact that you're feeling anger right now, but you know, you'll, you'll be okay. You're not going to stay in this angry place, right? It's really that ability to see that things will transition and that these are phases. That's what your imagination allows you to do. And it's a huge part of, I think, the therapeutic process. Well, in the techniques you're describing that we all can really use right now, not only with our little patients, our kids, or with our grandchildren, 
but the creative techniques to tell a story of our experience. Mm -hmm. And you bring up the San Bruno fires. We've had a lot of fires in California. Yeah. So a lot of little children have had to face these fires and find ways to cope with these feelings. Mm -hmm. But I'm even thinking it's not only for kids, all of us could tell part of our story about what this experience is or draw a picture of it or find a way to really share these feelings and emotions that we're really having at this time. Well, I think that's the key piece about the creative work is that in order for the creativity to pour through you, you have to be in touch with your emotional state. And that's what allows you to heal. So it doesn't work to just call somebody up and be like, hey, there was a fire today, like the sky looks orange. But to really be like, you know, the sky looks orange and it's so freaky and it seems like it's from the apocalypse. And, you know, that, those are the conversations I'm having with my clients. But what I see is as they tell the story, they then kind of it's now out of them and their body releases and they're able to take a bigger breath and all those pieces that we talked about with the body. And so. It's really in allowing yourself that moment of the emotional experience and giving some kind of language or form to it through drawing, for example, that you are able, that your mind is able to process what has fully happened or is happening. Something else I've noticed with families where there's a lot of anger in a family setting let's say all the kids and the parents are in one room and they're using all these different apparatuses in the room. Uh, yesterday, I, I saw a family with four kids on four separate Zoom devices in, to go to school. And helping that family really give each of their kids some alone time to process feelings in their room alone. They were worried if the kids go in their room alone, something bad's going to happen. But I think being alone allows kids somewhat to process feelings. And I think it's also true with adults. We don't always follow up on it, but it's an opportunity when we're by ourselves to feel those you know, somatic feelings you're talking about, Jen, those things inside of us, yeah. and really say, why are we having those? What can we do about them? What's going on here inside of me? Mm -hmm. And that's true for kids and adults right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really one of the main goals that I have. I mean, I have a lot of goals when I'm working with clients, but one of the main goals is to get them to shift their relationship with their emotions so that they stop trying to run away from them. Because that also creates additional tension, that creates stress, it creates overwhelm. And so instead, if you sit with the emotion as, you know, is sort of the way people have talked about it, what it means is to really look at it from a place of curiosity with a little bit of distance. And as you're saying, ask those questions, you know, what is this feeling that's coming up? How do I, how would I label it? What, what is it telling me? If it were telling me something, what would it be telling me? And when you understand it as sort of another form of intelligence, well, then you stop trying to push it away and it becomes something that you work together with. And anger is an emotion that you're meant to work together with. All our emotions are emotions that you're meant to work together with. But I think particularly 
anger can be very challenging for people because if you're not managing your anger well, it can easily become destructive rage. Have you seen with the families you're working with that rage is a part of it right now? Has it gone that way with the families? Oh, absolutely. Because I think that people on some level know that when they feel angry, they feel more powerful or they feel more in control. And so I think that it's very easy to feel out of control and then want to gain control. And I think there's a lot of things causing people to feel very out of control right now. And so I think that the just like overall tension and then having to manage the day-to-day and and not knowing sort of what you might have to do. The unpredictability, I guess, is the word that I'm looking for. The unpredictability of everything, I think, leads people to lean more heavily on their anger. Yeah, you know, you're talking about that issue of control. Um, another experience I've had from my own anger Uh, is that I don't think I've really done enough to contribute to monitoring and helping with climate change. You know, I've done some things. I'm certainly, you know, politically, I might be defined as somebody who really tries to help in that area. But I'm realizing that part of the anger I've had over the last five or six days uh, is really about I haven't done enough in certain areas. I haven't seen it clearly. And now I'm being forced to with the orange sky. And just as we're doing this podcast, the real sun has come out for the first time. So for four or five days, we've had no sun. It's been either black or gray or orange. And then right as I'm talking to you, Jen, the sun comes out and I think... (laughs) but I'm realizing and I'm less angry. I'm actually, it's relieving, which goes back to these internal things that happen inside of us and the environment greatly alter how we feel. And we've got to be aware of these things and we have to then, you know, plan long-term action. So I'm thinking I'm really going to do more in this climate change area I mean, we're way behind the eight ball on this, on California, because California is burning right now. And, but we've got to do some things to make a difference in this area for those children, for those grandchildren, but also for ourselves to really breathe differently, more freely. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful because that is exactly what anger is designed for, is to motivate you to take action to change things, whether that's changing things internally, changing things externally. That is the function of anger. And I think this is a perfect example of how as you and I talked through some of these things and you're able to express, you know, your frustrations and what's going on for you, you're moving through that anger to the place that is now, you know, the anger is a helpful resource to motivate you to want to change and take action. And, you know, how do people get there? You know, they have to move away from the blame of other people. They have to really start looking inside and really looking at other things they can do with anger besides blame themselves, 
or blame other people. You know, and I think that's a, a big one. Uh, we also have national leaders, I'm not going to mention anybody, who are going an entirely different path. So how do we find the path of really looking at these things in a, a more comprehensive way where we can help our situations? I think that's the thing is anger reminds you that in the moment, the only thing that you can manage or influence is yourself. And so how do you look at what you can do for yourself and build outward from that instead of looking to other people to be the ones directing the change? The other thing I think we should talk a little bit about, um, I have noticed besides the increased anger, uh, suicidal feelings mm -hmm. on the part of the teens I work with, uh, the even the kids I see, yeah. you know, and especially adults who are in pods of one. Mm -hmm. So the pods of one, being alone, this gets back to what you were saying about our feelings. When we cannot manage our own feelings, I think we do have more suicidal feelings and what to do about this is really important. And again, you were talking early about connecting with other people. Well, that's what I was going to say is I think human connection is just wired into us. You see it in babies when they're first born. The first thing they want to do is make a connection with their caregiver. And so I think it really, when I think of some of the suicidal clients that I'm hearing from, I think it, what I see is really that they're turning their anger inward on themselves. And that anger turned inward creates a state of intense emotional distress. And we're not able to maintain that level of emotional distress for prolonged periods of time. We're just not designed that way. And so what comes in is sort of this numbness to things in order to numb the pain of that emotion. And so what I've been working on is, is really helping them look at how they are directing anger towards themselves and how when they shift the way in which they're speaking to themselves or the way in which they're looking at a situation, they actually feel some of that fog that people talk about as depression lift. So I, I don't know if that answers the question that you posed, but that is one of the things that I've been doing with my clients. Uh, I think too, knowing that other people are feeling suicidal right now, that that's one of the feelings that comes up when we're isolated, yeah. which we are, because with this, the COVID and the climate change and everything else, we're more, more isolated mm -hmm. than we have been. And uh, it's harder to really be validated by others or to feel connected to others or to feel good about yourself, because we lose, use and have lost really those around us who help us feel those things. So I think it is a tough time and to recognize these suicidal feelings are normal at this point, that often you're not going to act upon them. You have to take action, of course, if you feel you will, but to recognize that everybody feels some of these feelings right now. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's it's something where it, it becomes more alarming if you're staying in that state, right? But it's natural when you are overwhelmed. One of the ways sometimes we manage that is that we feel like things are too much, this is overwhelming, and we just want that pain to stop. And a lot of times when you cannot think or imagine a way to escape that pain, what comes up is suicide. And so I think part of it is also to understand that there is not like one reason that people become suicidal. And so it's really looking at these other factors of, well, what precipitated you feeling this way? And a big part of suicide is feeling that you cannot escape the situation, that things are too much for you to bear. And I think that's very normal to feel during a time where there are a lot of different crises happening simultaneously. And the disconnection, the studies are indicating that about a quarter of all teens and children right now are feeling suicidal feelings. And I think some of that is that disconnection. Yeah. So they don't have their peer groups Mm -hmm. really supporting them and validating them through the day. And I think for parents out there connecting with your kids, maybe talking about how useful and connected they are with you. It really does help kids get through this period and feel like they are one with the rest of us. And that's the feeling we want to help other people build, that we are in this together and we can get through this together by connecting. Yeah, definitely. I think that is one of the most important pieces in any type of crisis coping is to Do what you can to kind of take care of yourself in that moment, but then reach out to the people around you and realize that that is one of the ways that we take care of ourselves. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep going with this. You've helped me today just talking about my own negative emotions here, Jen. Oh, good. And uh, maybe going on next time and talking about some of the other emotions that people are feeling during this time of COVID. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for inspiring this idea, Lynn. I'm having a great time talking with you. Me too. Thank you, Jen. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Come on. Let's talk about-